This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm so glad about the guy we have on the show right now because... And I say this all the time. I just I think he's one of the smartest guys covering the NBA. And when some of the should Jokic be celebrated the way he is ridiculousness came out over the last few days, which we just discussed, this is, Tom Habershow is one of the first guys that I thought of. He, he's Meadowlark media NBA analyst. He's the co-host of the Basketball Illuminati podcast. I met Tom back in the day in Miami, um, LeBron's first year with the Heat and that circus that was a lot of fun so i know firsthand how good this guy is how smart this guy is and um oh he's here now and he's here now and so i really hey tom was just talking about Jokic and and kendrick perkins um claim that racial factors dictate in some ways how celebrated he's been and draymond green's podcast whether or not the comments from draymond green on international players leans into that or is a separate conversation there's a lot going on i want to give you the context as i ask you for you do you think Nikola Jokic has been, and if he is again, will be again, a worthy MVP award winner? Yeah, he would be my vote if the season ended today. And because he's got the individual success, the team success, he checks every box. I mean, you look at the Western Conference, he has by far the best team. Um, and he's a leader of that team. He has no all-stars, no all-NBA counterparts on his team, no teammates that are all-league in any category. And he continues to win at a high level, and he's averaging a triple-double. We can point to his efficiencies, um, and we can basically have a, um, a real level-headed conversation about his basketball skills, his production, and his team success. They're all tops in the league. Um, when we get into the racial dynamics, I certainly understand how it might seem on the surface that Nikola Jokic – being um, a white European may be given the benefit of the doubt here or the tiebreaker if there was another candidate with the same sort of credentials. I don't see another candidate w- in which you could use a tiebreaker as like, yeah, he, he, gets, um, he gets the benefit of the doubt from the voters because he looks like them. I don't even know if that's true. I think if we are going to go down this path of a racial preference for one player over another – we actually have to do some real research. That's a very radioactive conversation is saying that the, the reporters are, um, are racially biased. We'd have to go into the data. We have the data, the voting data, and look at whether there is a bias there. And I just want to point out that Nikola Jokic has gotten to the Western Conference Finals before. And you heard me say it. He hasn't had an all-star or an all-NBA counterpart, or all-defense in his entire career on his team. We don't see that among players of that caliber having no supporting cast or star supporting cast. I actually did this research because we were talking about this, Bill, 
on uh, the Levitard show last yesterday, me and me and a half, and we were discussing like, how often does that happen where a star player, eight years into his career, as good as Jokic has been, has never had a co-star, even close, not even an all-star teammate. And I looked into this. Of the MVPs dating back to like 1980, we have not seen a single MVP have this lack of a supporting cast, no all-stars, no all-NBA, no all-defense, of any sort in his career. By comparison, at this point, age 27 season, Kobe Bryant had 23 such appearances by his teammates. Russell Westbrook, 17. Derrick Rose, 16. James Harden, 16. And on and on and on. Nikola Jokic has zero in that category. So when we talk about the lack of postseason success or why he doesn't get the scrutiny that other MVPs or other stars get, we are ignoring the fact that he's had perhaps the worst supporting cast of any MVP in NBA history. And that has to be part of the conversation because, as we know, in the postseason, you need multiple all-stars, multiple stars to go deep. And Jokic simply has never had a co-star or even two co-stars in the conversation of having um, you know, a star-caliber season. We just haven't had it. Tom Haverstrow on the show doing what he always does wherever he is is uh, unveiling content, dropping facts. He's on Twitter at Tom Haverstrow. And I love the information and the facts and the reporting. So, of course, Tom, I'm going to ask you a, a conceptual question that's a little a little more sort of gut instinct. But I'm, but I'm curious because in, in, in listening to Draymond Green's comments about international players, and maybe Draymond means international players. Giannis is international. Joel Embiid is international. It's a diverse world just like it's a diverse country here in the United States. But in hearing that and the idea from Draymond Green that maybe international players aren't held to the same standard narrative standard of, of expectation and pressure for championships, I was thinking about Luka being 24 and about Giannis already having one and Embiid's 28. Here's my question for you. Jokic is 28. At what age, generally speaking, or how long in the league, generally speaking, to whichever angle you want to take, do you think it becomes reasonable to expect a top 10 player to win an NBA championship as, as the next step. It's obviously not reasonable in year two. At what age or what, what point of a career is it fair for those of us that do this to start start weighing whether or not someone's won a championship as it relates to their career and their legacy? I don't really have a good answer for that, Bill, because we are in the super team era, right, where if all of the stars are on one team, let's just take the Warriors, for example, it's a zero-sum league. So if four, play, four stars are on the same team, in the case of the Warriors, that means that 26 other stars aren't going to win the championship that year. And, and that goes for every year in the league, where it's, it's hard to pinpoint an exact moment where in the career you can say, yeah, he doesn't have a, a, a championship at this point. Because I just think it's so hard to get to. And, and by virtue of other players getting to the uh, NBA Finals, let's just say there's eight finals-worthy teams in the NBA this year, only two of them are going to make it. And so, by definition, those six other teams are going to be deemed failures, even though there's only two that can make it to the finals. And I just I think that binary aspect of things can really poison the conversation. And I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, like, I don't think there is, like, a barometer by which you can say, like, he isn't a champion by age 28, and therefore he's a failure. Because we know that LeBron James, it took him deep into his career, Jerry West deep into his career, Dirk Nowitzki deep into his career before he won a championship. 
And it was important in all of those cases to wait until it's all said and done. In the case of Joel Embiid, right, like he hasn't made it to the Eastern Conference Finals yet. And normally we would be like, yeah, that's, that's messed up. Like he's not the same, you know, caliber as, a, as an all-timer. But we're still waiting. He's only played like a handful of seasons in his NBA career. So I just think it's a little too early to pass judgment on a player's legacy or, or um, you know, coming short of expectations. It's just, you know, the guy has only played, in Embiid's case, he's 28, but he's only played seven seasons in the league. So Giannis, he's already won a championship. Embiid, he's, he hasn't gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if we did the same thing where we, we talked about Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, the conversation about Dirk Nowitzki and around Dirk Nowitzki is that he was a playoff disappointment and he wasn't ever going to win the big one. And that was the conversation. You remember it. Like Dirk oh, yeah. Nowitzki was considered soft and, and the European style wasn't going to work here in the States. And, of course, he wins the big one. And we have amnesia about that entire Dirk era. And I just don't think it's fair to say that this is a new thing. I think we've always been critical of NBA players, regardless of where they started. Tom Harrisow here on the show. Tom, the Suns are a sample size with Kevin Durant of exactly one. So I'm not a math guy, but I think that's, I think that's small. So as best you can, you know, what you saw and what you think is going to happen, how super do you think that super team is going to be this season? Oh, man, Bill, I am suffering from recency bias because I actually saw them first in person, in first person the other night here in Charlotte. And there were like six times as many national media members at this game. It was huge. Monty Williams was like yelling at the media. He was <laughs> Flashbacks like, to Miami, dude. It was, it was crazy. Like, you remember those days where yeah. like, literally in the Charlotte media room, we were sitting on desks, sitting on, on like tables to listen to Monty Williams talk because there just was no room for, for all the media. Uh, we were like based, pr- practically standing on top of each other, piling on so we could get into the room. And so there was huge expectations, and boy, did they deliver. I mean, they were so good. And, yes, you know, the Charlotte Hornets are not the measuring stick by which we should be measuring everybody in the league. But Kevin Durant looked so comfortable that fit was seamless. And that is the case with Kevin Durant. Every time he comes back from these injuries, he looks like he's fresh in his prime, never took a day off. Like, he looks great. And that is – Speaking to the power of Kevin Durant, the fact that he is always just so seamless. He's plug-and-play superstar. I love the, the Phoenix Suns. I think Josh Okoji is going to be a household name. Not a household name, but NBA fans will know who he is in the playoffs. He's going to have a very big role with this team as they're kind of 3 and D, working on the three-part um, role player. I think he's up to the task as an energy defender. Um, because they'll need it. Mikal Bridges and Cam Johnson were so, so integral to everything they did in their finals run, and I really do think that they have what it takes to win it all. I probably put them on par, if not better, than the Golden State Warriors. You know how much of a fan I am of the Golden State Warriors. If Steph Curry comes back here this Sunday and looks anything like KD did, man, this is going to be a Western Conference Finals with those two teams. Are you... um... Are you able and willing to try to talk me out of my severe doubts on Dallas, despite last night because of Kyrie, <laughs> and or my severe doubts on the Clippers, which were already there, but have certainly been exacerbated by what has been a um, lackluster introduction of Russell Westbrook into the mix? So I'll start with the Clippers here. Uh, what 
the Golden State Warriors did to Russell Westbrook and the rest of that organization was a crime. I mean, that was so mean. It was so disrespectful. In any other industry or workplace, we would consider that harassment and a crime. What they did by just ignoring Russell Westbrook and Draymond Green roving in the paint and completely disrespecting Russell Westbrook's game, that was offensive. But, of course, it worked, and that's what I think a lot of coaches and a lot of players in their minds would like to do with Russell Westbrook is just completely ignore him. Um, but they have a human side to them that just feel – it feels mean. It feels awful what they did, but it totally worked, and it compromised – the Clippers offense, like I'll throw this stat at you, Russell Westbrook with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor, the three of those on the floor, their offensive rating is 102 in their time together, which is, would be the worst offense in the NBA without Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor without Russell Westbrook this season, 124 offensive rating. It goes from 124 down to 102 just by virtue of adding Russell Westbrook. So I really do think that in that case, in the same case with the Lakers, that was an addition by subtraction or a subtraction by addition. Russell Westbrook (laughs) to me is not worth it. He is not worth the headache. Kyrie Irving, it's been okay in Dallas. The offense has been sensational, but down the stretch, when the defenses can scout you, it's been an, it's been atrocious offensively watching them, and I do suspect that right now they'll be okay. They're two and five together since they acquired Kyrie Irving, but I do think come postseason time, I don't see them being reliable. I actually think that Kyrie Irving's warts and all of the um, unreliability, I think that will creep up in the postseason, and you won't see them get to the Western Conference Finals again. All right, Tom Haversho, last show for you. By the way, the people I really like, I try to ask the, the most annoying questions to, so I just want you to see all of this as a sign of respect and affection, okay? This is this yes. is kindness, or at least it's respect. Um, if I make a list in my own mind's eye of, of the teams that I think can make an NBA Finals run this year, right? At the end of that list, the longest odds are teams that would need a lot of help. If you were to make a list like that for yourself, just teams that if things go the right way could make the NBA Finals, who is uh, among the least likely of those teams that still have an outside chance for you? Well, I think it's Miami. Um, I think Miami oh, wow. at three games out of 500, I mean, three games over 500, I think if Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero can just figure things out like they did a few years ago um, in the bubble, I do think that if things break right, they could get to the NBA Finals. Remember, this was the best three-point shooting team in the NBA last year. They get blown out by the 76ers. It looks terrible right now. They have one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. It's one of the biggest drop-offs from last year to this year in terms of three-point percentage. My only thing is, could that just be all bad luck? Is it possible that they've gotten that much worse at putting the ball from distance, I think that there is a chance that they get on fire in the postseason, and that is an aberration, and they don't play Kyle Lowry anymore, and they pick up somebody off the scrap heap in order to have a postseason run. It is probably the deepest of long shots, but to that question, I think of all the teams that have an outside chance that needs things to break away, I do think that a return to the NBA Finals is possible by the Miami Heat. It is a long shot, but I can't think that this team 
is as bad at shooting as they are. These are good shooters historically. I got to imagine they'll be able to hit shots eventually, and I do think that is a long shot of long shots. But you, I, you asked the question, and I answered it. That is a great answer. That is a great answer. Uh, Tom Haverstrow, Metal Arc Media, on Twitter at Tom Haverstrow, co-host of the Basketball Illuminati podcast. Dude, I, I say this every time because I mean it. I love having you on the show. It's great stuff, pal. Thanks for um, thanks for making time during a busy time. If we get to the NBA Finals and I'm a heater there, we're going to Big Pink together. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, Big Pink. Oh, my God. That's a th- it's done. I'll buy. It's on me. <laughs> you got it, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.